Coming at you live from where anything is possible. Thanks to a demented insult in the boiler room. It's Cartoon Night in Canada. Hey, what you watching? Got a problem with cartoon? to another episode of Cartoon Night in Canada, a nostalgic journey to dig through decades of animation to find the good, the bad, and the just plain weird of Canadian cartoons. I'm your co-host Chris Lucy Antonio. And I'm your co-host Sylvie Kettles. And I want to say uh, at the top of the episode, welcome back 100% healthy Sylvie. Woo! Uh, if anyone did not know, uh, she just did battle with the nefarious virus known as COVID-19, and kicked its fucking ass. Because I'm an idiot, and I wanted to go see my cat. Look, no one's going to blame you for that. No jury in the world would convict you for wanting to go snuggle with your cats. That's all I wanted. And then my fucking dad was like, oops, my throat's sore. Welcome home. <laughs> oh, it's always the best of intentions that end up fucking us, isn't it? Yeah. The, the most yeah. noblest of pursuits, as in wanting to see cats. It's like, well, you're going to pay for that shit. It was worth it. She's perfect. <laughs> and that got us talking recently about, uh, like, what we were watching when we were sick uh, during our childhood. Because as many, uh, I'm sure as many have experienced, when you get sick in, you know, grade school, uh, there wasn't much to do other than lie in bed and wait for it to pass. And sometimes you got to stay in the room that had the television in it. Hell yeah. And so that got us talking about... Uh, what we were watching when we were sick as kids and today's selection came up but uh actually just 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 for fun what were you watching when you were uh doing battle with COVID-19? Uh, I wasn't actually watching anything I was able to sit up I I had mild enough cases a mild enough case that like I, I my head was not like pressed into the ground at 24 7. Um, so I was playing Hades ah. the entire time. I played so much Hades. Shout out to Supergiant Games. You you made <sighs> up one of the greatest games of all time. It's so good. I just I I it, it might have been the fever, but I was sobbing over <laughs> Achilles and Patroclus. Uh I think when when I was a kid one of my like uh, go-to one of my one of my go-to uh sick shows was uh like an assortment of game shows because that was just what it was airing during the daytime. Yeah. You got your the Price is Right is the classic. You got your Price is Right. You got your Wheel of Fortune. Sometimes, like, sometimes someone somewhere would like know what's up at a television studio and air some Jeopardy during the day. Yeah. Uh, but for like in terms of animation, I'd say mine would be like something like um, future subject of this show, Robo Roach. I've never heard of that. See that that's the one that always uh. That always comes to mind when I think of sick in bed cartoon watching is Robo Roach, as well as this one we're talking about today. Uh, mm -hmm. But that that's just the one that comes to mind, and I'm I'm sure someone I think I'm sure everyone has this very specific association with some piece of media, wherein 
just thinking about it gets you just a little tiny bit nauseous. Just a little bit. No, and and uh, a good kind of nauseous, in, a nostalgic kind of nauseous. nauseous. Yeah. It's like um when you see one of those one of those two liter ice cream buckets, I immediately feel nauseous because that's those are just my puke puke buckets when I was a kid. Uh, see, I, I get the same way, but with uh, orange flavored Powerade. Ah. Uh, because that was, like, because that's what it was like fed to me to, like, when I was, uh, you know, uh, praying at the porcelain god that is the toilet. <laughs> like, that's what they just, like, kept, you know, shoving down my throat to first, you know, keep me hydrated as well as get my electrolytes back. Because I'm, I'm spending them all in the form of vomit. Yes. Yeah, that was, um, I, I, Sylvie, definitely have, like, constitution is my dump stat. Because I was sick a lot as a small child. Um, specifically stomach viruses. I got them all the time and it was literally the worst. Um, but so I spent a lot of time watching cartoons. And since nothing was on most of the time, uh, like my my sick cartoons were... Uh, my parents had like a massive DVD collection of Looney Tunes. Mm, I bought so, those when I was like uh, uh, first year of university. Those uh, gold yeah. collection yes. ones, like I, yes, those had, are those. quality stuff. You you need to buy those just for the history. It's so good, and so like I would just be, I could easily spend an entire day just going through each disc, rolling off the couch to throw the next one in when when one was finished. But aside from aside from Looney Tunes. I always look forward to 11.30 a.m. on sick days, because that is when Flying Rhino Junior High was on YTV. Today we are taking a look at Flying Rhino Junior High, created by Ray Nelson Jr. The show was an international co-production between Canada's Nelvana Animation, France's Neuronis Animation, and Scotland's STV Enterprises. That makes the show technically Canadian. Technically Canadian. Which is the best kind of Canadian. Yay! Uh, the show originally aired in Canada on Teletoon between October 1998 and January 2000, but eventually found syndication on YTV sometime in the 2000s. One of those rare cases where both of the prominent children's children-aimed television networks were sharing a show. That didn't happen a lot. No, which explains why I ever saw this show, because that was, like, there's no indication that it was ever on YTV, like, on its main Wikipedia page, which is usually, like, our first initial go-to. And so I was thinking, wait, I must have had Teletoon because I watched the hell out of this show whenever I was sick. And Chris did manage to dig up Specifically, a screenshot of a bumper from YTV being like, Advertising, Flying Rhino Junior High, yeah. 11.30. Yeah, uh, that's, I, I guess, it uh, because of the international co-production aspect of the show and the fact that it's not like, Teletoon did not specifically fund this cartoon. It, it There was no allegiance there. It could go wherever it wanted. Uh, and all for the better, I'd say, because maybe it's still airing today. I don't know. I don't watch YTV anymore. No, I don't have... I don't have cable. Does anybody? My parents do. Of course. <laughs> uh, 
For the episode today, we took a look at Fantu's Curse, episode two of the first season, which original air date was October 10th, 1998. Uh, let's start, as we always do, with uh, the... I mean, we, we kind of covered it in the opening spiel, but the most important question we always ask for a nostalgic podcast. Sylvie, what are your memories of Flying Rhino Junior High? Uh, wait, specifically waking up with, like, a sore throat or a churning stomach and thinking, fuck yes, I get to watch Flying Rhino Junior High today. <laughs> you, you were like 10, so you'd say, heck yes. You're, of course. Of course. Not me. When I was 10, I was swearing a blue streak because I was cool. <laughs> yeah, even like younger than 10, I, I want to say like maybe 7 to 10 was the ages where this was like my sick show, where it's like, I wake up, Mom, I don't feel so good. I'm watching Flying Rhino Junior High today. It's like, oh no, I got a bit of a fever. Throw on the Flying Rhino Junior High. I'll, I'll get, I'll get to school later. Don't worry about it. I absolutely loved this show. Like this was one of the first things that came to my to my brain when you first brought up doing a podcast about Canadian animation. I was like, oh fuck yes, I get to talk about Flying Rhino Junior High. <laughs> Uh, the, the bias is going to be real in this one, uh, <laughs> but uh, as we'll get into it, it holds up quite well. Uh, my personal memories are in a similar boat to yours, wherein this was also on the uh, this was also on the rotation of six shows, just dependent on the time uh, of day. Because unlike you, I had both Teletoon and YTV, so I could flip back and forth at my heart's content. And sometimes you just catch an episode of Flying Rhino Junior High and get really absorbed into its fantastical educational vibes and yeah uh that's the long and short of it i don't have such a strong memory or attachment as you do to the series but i'm certainly fond of it uh before we get into the episode proper let's talk a little bit about its creator ray nelson jr we know nothing absolutely nothing he has a stub of a Wikipedia page, and that's it. This is an ongoing hurdle that we've been encountering while doing this show, is that the the efforts to preserve any information related to Canadian animation has been sparse to the point of insulting, frankly. And nowhere more clear was it when trying to find any supplementary information about Ryan, Flying Rhino Junior High. Uh, it just doesn't exist. No one really cares outside of um, some entries in shitty catch-all Encyclopedia of Canadian Animation, where it will also get just a stub mention. Yeah, that's that was been, that has been my uh, uh, my ex experience trying to look up this stuff was like. I found a single academic encyclopedia entry, but it was just because it aired on CBS. And it's just a list of CBS uh, children's programming. Right, thanks. That's going to really help us talk about this series uh, and expose more people to it, knowing that there's just... There's no... There's no foundational interest in so much of what we talk about. And that's really disheartening sometimes. Yeah, especially when it's a a show that like deserves to have a few more eyeballs on it oh like i understand there's no extensive write-ups about life's zoo.tv don't get me wrong that's fine the world but, is better for it but the fact that something like this can completely fly under the radar for 20 years 30 years now actually yeah. going on 30 years is 
I, I, it just really kind of uh, takes the wind out of your sails. And like, why do we even do the show? Uh, because parts of this show live inside my brain since I was seven year old years old, and I have to scream them out into the world, or else they're just trapped with me forever. This is a uh, this is an exorcism service disguised yes. as a podcast to get rid of them bad childhood thoughts about the cartoons we watched. Um, so, in looking up some stuff on Ray Nelson Jr., uh, I was able to find. I, I think you saw this too that he apparently had some position at Will Vinton Studios. Yeah. One of the most tragic animation studios in modern history. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Uh, if you don't know, listener, uh, Will Vinton is one of the godfathers of stop-motion animation, uh, claymation specifically, and he's the reason why uh, Laika is even a thing. But yeah. you'd never know that if you spoke to anyone at Laika. Uh, more importantly, uh, this, that's the studio that originated the California Raisins. Yeah, yeah, uh, he he was uh, the spearhead behind that, whatever that was. Yeah. My, uh, my grandparents had just a random California Raisin toy. Oh, I, I had plenty house. of those, too. I, I had plenty of those, too. They, they were just, they were inescapable. Yeah, like, you could not live your life devoid of california raisins they were just everywhere what a stupid thing um but but will will vinton is an incredibly important figure that is not respected enough because uh again in addition to creating the california raisins he did the pjs uh, his studio did the pjs um gary and mike the that's very creepy adventures of mark twain movie uh oh, yeah the claymation segments in Moonwalker, uh, like he got so he got around, and eventually, due to corporate restructuring and a lot of shady business deals, he was ousted from Will Vinton Studios, which was later rebranded as Leica. Oops. It always leaves a sour taste because I always want to support Leica because I love their films. I love They're the fact amazing. that they are one of the few studios out there. Like in addition to like Airman Animation. And the the film pursuits of Wes Anderson that's keeping stop motion animation alive in the mainstream, but also they're kind of dicks for what they did to Will Vinton. They are they are founded on assholes. They are founded by uh and like the the son of Nike, I think. Uh, what's like Travis something or other? Um, yeah. Travis Knight, who um used to also be a rapper, <laughs> named Chili T, I think his name was. What? Oh yeah, you should look that up. Um, Travis Knight, who was also director of, I believe he was directed Kubo and the Two Strings, um, was put in a prominent position as Leica because his father bought the company. Nepotism is everywhere. This is a really weird tangent we're getting on, but it's kind of important because this is the only scrap of information on Ray Nelson Jr. we have to go on. This is all we have. At one point in his life, he worked with Will Vinton. That's all we got. And in addition, he also had a lot of success as a children's book writer, um, all of which carry his distinctive art style, which is featured in Flying Rhino Junior High. And even some of the characters uh, like within the series are based on the books. Like the series itself is basically based on the books. But again, hard to find any information on any of that or any of the like specifically uh, specific Flying Rhino Junior High tie-in novels that came out. What? Yeah, those exist. Uh like uh I, the, all the characters are like 
in some form or another featured in his many, many children's books? Yeah, there's just nothing about it anywhere. Oh, I did find the cover of, of one of his books, A Dinosaur Ate My Homework. There's that, that little circle nose. Yep, yep. Uh, very distinct art style in this, uh, which I really, really enjoy. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that eventually, but let's just talk a bit about the premise. Uh, so it takes place, the, the show takes place at Flying Rhino Junior High. Uh, typical run-of-the-mill uh, junior high school where uh, a rhino is principal, a pig is a janitor, and there's an there's evil... There's a guy in the basement. There's an evil maniacal villain in the basement patterned after the Phantom of the Opera whose whole pursuit in life is to fuck with this one classroom. And the whole school as sort of a, a, a an accident. Because he, he never, like, he never transforms just their classroom into something. It's always the entire school. Yeah, because he, using his uh, big computer console, he has, like, Mr. Mixaplix, uh reality warping powers, wherein he can transform the school into any kind of thing he wants, usually ironically related to whatever that classroom is studying that week. Yeah, he, it, he gets his inspiration from these children to destroy these children. I think we should spend at least 40 minutes on the Phantom, like the, the character's called the Phantom. <laughs> uh, this is the one aspect of the show, using the clarity of adulthood, looking back, it's like, so... What the fuck? <laughs> so this portly man who lived in the basement was monitoring these children and putting their lives in danger constantly, and everyone just kind of knew about it. Literally every single time something happens and, like, reality is warped, one of the kids will just be like, Oh, Earl, up to his shenanigans again. It's like, wait, what? You know? You know? Yeah, like... That this guy is doing this? This... This isn't just a thing that happens and you're confused by it. You're just like, fucking... Like, this is my favorite adaptation of Gaston Leroux's Phantom of the Opera because, like, it has that same vibe of... There is are definitely people in this location who know that shit is going on, and they know that he's just a guy, and they do nothing about it. Yeah, for whatever reason, also, uh, he's, he takes his whole style off of the Phantom of the Opera, which, sure, sure an, another famous shit disturber in media, but also, why? The computer is his organ. His, the computer is his organ, that's a great detail. But also... Why? Like, he wants revenge on the school for giving him a bad grade once. Yeah. Get the fuck over it. You're, like, 30 now. My dude, your roommate is a rat. Like, this isn't even, like, obsessing over something that happened in high school, like, or, or peaking in high school. This is a bad grade in grade school, in, in junior high shop class. Yeah. You are the saddest person I, I in any show we've covered so far. And that's saying something. Yeah. Because we've talked about Burt Raccoon. We've talked about Odd Job Jack. <laughs> a professional temp. Yeah. But this Earl P. Sidebottom is the saddest man of them all. I think we're talking about it, but uh, he definitely gives off incel vibes. Oh, 100%. Like, it's never... I don't think it's ever been directly stated, but he hates, of the main children, he hates Lydia the most specifically because she is as smart, if not smarter than him. 
And like every time she proves her intelligence, he takes that as a challenge, as a well-adjusted yeah. man would do. Yeah, as a well-adjusted thirty-year-old sees a thirteen-year-old girl That's, like uh... know know who uh, know the name of the Flintstones dino- pet dinosaur is Dino, and be like, okay, fuck this child, I need to destroy her. Like, well, actually, I will release live dinosaurs into this high school because how dare you know a thing I didn't? Yeah, Liddy's just mind your business uh, answering a question in class. Like, uh, well, actually, uh, the Salem witch trials happened at this time. It's like, oh, you little bitch. I'm going to send you back to that time and hopefully burn you alive. It's like, Earl, uh, what the fuck, man? In, in, in North America, we hang our witches. Doesn't matter. Yes. Come on, get it right. Oh, are you going to just phantom me right now? I'm gonna phantom splain you. Phantom splain. Oh my god, that's terrible. <laughs> so every week in this, uh, like the the premise of the show is that uh, the the four main characters, uh, Bobby, Marcus, Lydia, and Billy. Billy, Billy, Mar- It's a B. There's a B on his hat. I took a stab. Yeah. I'm sorry. You fucked up. Stop phantom splaining me. <laughs> Never. So it's it's Bobby. It's Billy. Bobby. Billy O'Toole. Oh, that's a terrible name. Uh, Bobby, Marcus, Lydia, Ruby? Yep. There, got all four. See, you, you really should have just gotten all four wrong and continued the bit. No, I'm continuing the bit. It's it's Bobby, Marcus, Ruby, and Lydia. And every week, uh, they're studying something in their teacher, Miss Snodgrass's class. And the, for whatever reason, the Phantom takes an exception to something presented and decides, I'm going to warp their reality around whatever they were talking about this week, whatever lesson they were learning. And this is a great way to both have a very inventive action-adventure kind of series with a lot of education just sprinkled in very, Man. very slightly. Man, that sounds like something. That sounds like something else that that I've heard of, and maybe even owned a bunch of books of. Hmm. Like it was also hmm. a, a reality warping school event, but it wasn't oh, a building. Uh, the, it was like a. It was like a. The bus. magic tree house. Yes, yes. The magic tree house. That's the one. Everyone remembers the magic tree house. Also, uh, had a pilot of dinosaurs. Well, now. Yeah. The plot thickens. Uh huh. Which but yes, first, Flying Rhino Junior High or Magic Treehouse? The answer is Magic School Bus. Yes. <laughs> this is at shameless sounds of a bit mean, but this is a beat for beat uh, takeoff of Magic School Bus. Uh, the premise and a lot of the premise and a lot of the concept comes straight from that show's DNA, and totally fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, and. I think this is a more interesting spin, honestly. The fact that there is this very strange villain character uh, haunting the halls of this school who is the very reason why they are taken on these world-bending adventures, I think that's better. Yeah, honestly, it's a... It's a... It completely changes the tone of of the edutainment when instead of this wonderful lesbian teacher taking the kids on adventures through reality it's the villain who is warping the world around them not necessarily to teach them yeah instead of this folksy lesbian teacher it's this uh 
saddened, portly incel in the basement. Yeah. That's much better for kids. And his and his rat roommate. Radicus? Is that his name? Yes. See, as a kid, I kept uh, I kept calling him Radicate, which is the Pokemon. <laughs> so so better. Yeah, so better. You improved it. And like his his voice, uh, I, I don't have the voice cast in front of me right now, uh, oh, but I it's do. it's only like a few steps removed from Meowth from the English dub of Pokemon. It's Ron Rubin. Ron Rubin, yeah. Uh, it's it's like within the same it's within the same ballpark there. Yeah, it's a very, um, that particular voice is another one of those, like, oh, that just lives in my brain all the time, forever. And that's because I think Ron Rubin was, like, a bit actor in just every single piece of Canadian animation. Oh, I've definitely heard that specific voice in something. Yeah, like, even when he wasn't doing, like, character roles, he was in a show. So I've absolutely heard that exact voice multiple times. And so just hearing it is like returning to an old friend. <laughs> That's been one of the the highlights of doing the series is that like just constantly unlocking these little memories in your mind about I've definitely heard that voice before and then going onto Wikipedia and realizing like, oh, this was just one of the consistent soundscapes of my childhood. Yeah, that was absolutely my full fixation in like high school was just anime voice actors oh it's come across on this series don't worry oh yeah good just frantically memorizing every voice actor's wikipedia so uh uh before we get into the like the episode we watched proper uh let's talk a little bit about uh ray nelson jr's character designs uh i really love them uh they're so good I love like how they're very uh, rounded, uh, usually with a large bulbous nose, uh, massive body proportions, and usually a lot of them like uh, are very angular. Like some of these characters are just triangles with uh, feet and hands attached. Like yeah. Ruby does not have a neck. Yeah, Ruby and Marcus do not have necks. They are they are fully friend shaped. Yes, they they just go from the tip and. They just go from the tip of their forehead and just widen out and then arc down. It's And then just have two little stick legs poking out. Yeah, and the best thing about like this uh, his approach to character design is that everybody kind of has... You can see aspects of different body types repeating, but it's never as consistent as you think. Because a lot of people do have that bulbous nose, but also some of them just have this weird noodle face-neck combination. Yeah. They're all, they're all such good designs. I love them. They're just delightful. Yeah, like, I, it's one of the highlights of the show uh, is, and, and also the, the color scheme of the show is really poppy and vibrant um, and fits the material very well. But also it's like, you get these very strange, strangely shaped body proportions. And then you also just have uh, the rhino principal who is just a massive beast of a man. He's just a guy. No, that that is a brick shithouse of a person. He's he's just a little guy, Chris. He's fucking massive. <laughs> like, that's and th- I don't think that's ever touched on. I like, yes, it's flying rhino junior high, so <laughs> he's the principal's a rhino human thing, but also how? But also, apparently, he was like in the, um, in the air force at one point. Hence why it's called flying rhino junior high. So, like, is he the founder of the school? 
the like the one anthropomorphic rhino in human history decides to get into education. Yeah. Why is he not being dissected in a lab? Well, that's it's a line in the in the opening theme that the the principles of rhino and no one's asking why. You know what? Fuck you, Flying Rhino Junior High. I'm gonna ask why. <laughs> you you don't just get to like have a pithy line in your theme song and just not expect me to ask further questions. Yeah. I... Okay. Fine. I I won't ask why the rhino is a is like the principles of rhino. But why is the school janitor a pig who's also apparently a spy? Yes. He uh he w- was not featured very prominently in this episode um but the the school's janitor uh buford works for for the phantom as like his eyes and ears which is weird because like the phantom also just has a bunch of hidden cameras and microphones around the school he doesn't need buford yeah and again if i I think we said this beforehand but circling back to the phantom if any of these children in this school told their parents about this guy, this school would be shut down. There would be there would be a federal investigation. This phantom would be going down. Oh, yeah. Who is this strange man filming children in middle school? Like, right? <laughs> like, this would be, a, this, this would be like a regional incident. It's like, oh, yeah, he just put cameras all around the school. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, yeah, he, that's, he, just, he just did that. Like, like, I'm just trying to monitor the children to see for my nefarious plans. Like, and did you really need one in the bathroom, Phantom? Sir? Like, um, Radicus, help? Sure thing, Phantom. That is easily the weirdest running joke is that Radicus always mispronounces Phantom as Phantom. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. And that's it. He just, just calls him Phantom just so that. <laughs> You know, Earl can get angry at him and scream, it's Phantom! Like, Radicus is just there for for the sake of um, running bits and, like, running jokes. Because the other yeah. one is like, whenever whenever Earl is checking his totally legal cameras that he's installed in the school, uh, and someone says something, and he goes like, what did she say? Radicus always chimes in. By saying what they were saying. So that the phantom can yell at him that he, Thank, I knew. Yeah, you he, heard her. Yeah, yeah. So, the great yeah, bit. Great, there's, great there's the bit. That just this little fucking weirdo in the basement. I, like, I I can't get over it. Like this is, no. <laughs> so we talked about episode two, Fantu's Curse, specifically because it was an episode I remembered watching and then for some reason not finishing. And as we talked about before we went on the air, you don't remember why you never finished it, and revisiting it didn't reveal that answer to you. No. No. I presume it was because my brother was sick at the same time as me, and came downstairs and changed the channel. (laughs) Because that's just, I mean, that's just little sibling law, is that I have no control over the TV. Yeah, you got big leagued by your brother who wanted to watch Price is Right. Yeah, probably. (laughs) But so this was this was a personal quest I needed to finish was I just remembered the episode where Lydia was just insisting it's in my book and not finishing it and I was when we were picking episodes I thought no I need I need to finish that episode just for me. Oh god. Uh so the premise of this episode um well 
the lessons that we are going, you're, as a child, we're going to learn, were all related to ancient Egypt because uh, a bunch of the members of this classroom, uh, including the, uh, not not including, but all, in addition, uh, Earl P. Sidebottom, the Phantom, were watching this classic movie on television called uh, Pharaoh Finster. Something like that. Yes. Yeah, Pharaoh Finster, which is a very clear kind of a universal monster takeoff, uh, some Boris Karloff's mummy, some Abbott and Costello nonsense thrown in there. And it's, it's a cartoon classic to just pull from black and white mummy movies. True, true. Like I'm I'm, I'm sure Bugs Bunny has run afoul on many of a mummy before. Um honestly, not to my knowledge. Uh there's a, a Phineas and Ferb episode has like basically the same premise where they're watching an old black and white mummy movie. And then they're like, but what if mummy curse real? Yeah, and like uh, Phineas and Ferb probably owes a lot of debt to Flying Rhino Junior High, even if Absolutely. they don't, don't, even if they don't want to admit it. Uh, they're probably like, no, we took all that from Magic School. It's like, yeah, but you were watching uh, Flying Rhino on the side, weren't you? you well, don't, don't worry about it. You can just admit it. You can just, you can just admit that this stupid little incel and his rat roommate inspired you. So all, all the all the members of this classroom are watching this classic movie and inspires the teacher to have a whole lesson built around uh, ancient Egypt, uh, kind of taking off from the movie. And this prompts Lydia, the know-it-all expert, to chime in with her book about the Valley of the Kings and incur the Phantom's wrath for the... She doesn't respect movies. For, for the horrible crimes of not respecting movies and being right about something. Yep. Well, and that's why we're talking about the Phantom being an incel. Like, that is the trigger, is that this 13-year-old girl was correct about a thing. And he's like, I can't stand for this. She's going over the um, the model that Miss Snodgrass uh, builds that's based on the movie. And she says, like, well, that's pretty impressive, but it's not factual. And that completely sets the Phantom off on a misogynistic tirade that eventually ends up altering the schools into the same model of an ancient Egyptian pyramid. With, um, with like the, the caveat that it is, it is still clearly a school. And that was a, a design thing I always appreciated about this show was that like, mm -hmm. there are still like classrooms and lockers dotting the, uh, the hallways in whatever space they're at. Like this is clearly still the school. Yeah. reality is only shifting within the space of the school and like little pieces of the school are still left behind every time and it's it's always just really neat yeah there's a lot of effort put into like the set design and the mise-en-scene where it, it also very inventive it still needs to feel and act as a school but also with whatever gimmick of the week that we've uh, grafted onto it like make it set in the mariana's trench make it set in space but God help you if there aren't lockers and classroom doors floating around. Like a garbage can somewhere. Yeah, it, it's it's great. It's a it's a really uh, clever way to do that. And um, in in this one, he turns it into an ancient Egyptian pyramid. Also, that's very labyrinthian and tries to recreate his favorite movie like an incel would. Yep. And torture these kids because one of them did not like his movie and prefers reality. 
Yeah. Yeah, like, he he feels nothing towards Marcus, who also loves this movie. Mm-hmm. And instead, like, hones in on the negative and is just like, oh my god, one person doesn't like my favorite movie. My identity has been attacked, and I must fight back. It's like the underlying thread of this whole episode is that... Um... And, and it's not even just from coming from the Phantom, it's also like reinforced by all of Lydia's friends, is that your book is stupid, Act, like factual information is pointless, we're talking about movies here, get with the program, dumbass. And as film studies people, I think we took that to heart. <laughs> like the, the solution at the end of this episode is to tear up your book to make a paper trail, because that's the only way your stupid dumbass book of factual peer-reviewed information could be useful in this scenario and it's so weird because like it's it's shown that like the stuff in her book is correct mm -hmm. like like that that implies that stuff from the movie is correct as well and so like you would think that the lesson would be that like lydia and marcus have something to learn from each other but no the lesson is fuck that book destroy it to save yourself the Phantom is just seething in his gamer chair, going like, Dumb bitch, stop talking about real things! I want to talk about movies! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia, Lydia's out here, like, actually pulling a, a book that's, like, talking about deconstructing the uh, colonialist aspect of all of the early 20th century exploration of Egypt, Egyptian tombs, um, and, like, the, the Victorian mummy unwrapping parties, and, like, really just digging into the, the, the very racist roots of it, and the Phantom's like, but my movie! It's, it's, it's like, if, if somebody, uh, if they were tra if they traveled back uh, for whatever reason uh, in one of these episodes, uh, they, they traveled back uh, to ancient Rome, like at the fall of Rome, and someone was talking about uh, Brian Ward Perkins' book, The Fall of Rome and the End of Civilization, but someone else on that team would go like, but I also watched all of HBO's Rome. They would listen to oh. the kid who watched all of HBO's Rome. Yeah, because that's that's like a lesson of um, of a lot of like tv that millennials grew up with is very much like references are power references are power yeah like if i can if i can reference a thing i'm a genius how do you I'm, think i'm witty i am powerful how do you think doug walker conquered youtube right that that was his schema that was how he did it that was it and we're all just living with the consequences <laughs> We are all suffering with the aftermath of Doug Walker. How, I mean, not to put, put too fine a point on it, but the fucking Phantom is a kind of a Doug Walker Oh, absolutely. Not to pry into something that really doesn't matter because it's a show for kids and shut up. Stop stop thinking about it like that. How That's does, our job? Yes, it's also uh, in the show description. How does he just do a couple of keystrokes and terraform reality? Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, sure. Uh, Miss Frizzle pulls, like, a single lever on her bus and transforms the the children's DNA. Yeah, but you, you know how uh, you can let that, that show slide? Because yeah. of one word in that title. 
Magic. Magic. Magic school bus. Um, this one gets written off with one phrase, and that is the intro theme song, which is anything is possible. Fine. <laughs> Fuck it. Just whatever. He, <laughs> his computer is somehow also magic. Yeah, don't worry about it. He can just... You know what? If he can just do that, why doesn't he just keystroke himself a girlfriend? <laughs> I bet he has. No, that's Radicus. Ew. That was that was his attempt. Oh, that, that's why they have like this strange domestic partnership relationship. Yeah. yeah. Is he he tried to keystroke himself a girlfriend and because he's actually quite stupid, it he fumble fucked and made this idiot rat man who still like acts like a domestic par partner. Like it wasn't in this episode. I have a, an image in, in my in my brain of Radicus like wearing an apron and holding a tray of cookies or something. Like I think that's just a bit in the shows that they're just living together like that. Look, you're already you're already an extremely pathetic figure who <laughs> peaked in junior high. Not even peaked in high school, peaked in junior high. Mm hmm And also you are in a committed relationship with a rat mutant? Yep. Bro. My guy. Like, like, come on, man. Like, I, you've, you've gotten, your obsession has gotten to the point where it's, it's not even evil at this point. And. It's just sad. Yeah, even, even our kind of like riffing on him being like a danger to these children. It's like, I don't even think that with the current situation that's even, that can even be read into it. Because he's just so pathetic. Like every week on this show, he gets he gets his shit pushed in by these thirteen year olds. Maybe he has a humiliation fetish. I don't know. Oh no. We always end up here whenever we, we return to. We always do. We always end up here when returning to these shows. Uh, thinking about like, well, sure, like uh, the the animation's great and the writing's very good, and but we all have fun. What sexual undercurrent can I find in this? Yeah. What what's what's the story about the fucking? <laughs> Like, like you, you, from the gift of hindsight has that uh, has gifted me this observation that uh, you know ten year old me could have never come up with. It's like, oh, he's fucking that rat, ain't he? He's fucking that rat. Oh, he's fucking that rat, ain't he? This oh, is what you come to Cartoon Night in Canada for. This, uh, <laughs> th this wise commentary on children's media. Yep. Uh, yeah, I got it. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing I could say to, like, return us to form is that, like, Earl is also definitely the kind of asshole who says, and actually, it's Frankenstein's monster. He does that in this fucking show. Yeah? Where, yeah, like, whenever he, uh, whenever they're talking about, um, the, the pharaoh of this tomb, uh, Lydia spits off a bunch of, you know, real historical figures, and, uh, Earl just goes like, uh, actually, we're talking about the Pharaoh Fantu. You dumb yeah, bitch. Come on, get with it. Fuck you, man. <laughs> oh, he's a, he's actually a good villain character. He's actually a pretty oh, yeah. great villain character. Like, as far as villains go, it's hard to make anyone so dislikable <laughs> as this. Like, I love it. He's He's fantastic. 
as just like a oh i hate this guy perfect and and just like he's villainous but completely non-threatening which is perfect for a kid show exactly like even when stakes are high it's like i know i know i know the kids are gonna get through this because they are smarter than him by a lot <laughs> uh so in my in my notes i do have this this one line like uh th that's uh i we can't really fault the cartoon for it because it was just just how television worked at the time but also i have uh in my in my notes like oh so all these pharaoh attendants are white egyptians huh <laughs> like come yeah. on flying rhino junior high you should have known better get with it they they had like the two egyptian guys in the movie even were clearly like even in a black and white movie you could you could tell like they are clearly darker skinned than the uh plinth hat wearing white lady who comes in to uh discredit all of their their folk tales and initiate a curse yeah so like even even the the movie from like the 30s got it right like there there's a great kind of uh bit in, in this episode where uh the teacher miss snodgrass is quite literally being uh mummified by a bunch of buff white egyptians and you can see as they as they're like advancing on the children to also do the same to them they have the implements to take out your organs in their hands yep they they don't yep, mention it they don't say what that's going to be for they they use the term embalming but also jesus christ and i have a personal gripe with calling mummification embalming i knew this would specifically tweak something in your brain no i i set it up it's fine i mean it was a thing that they even cover like in in uh funeral directing class was like the teacher called mummification the first embalming because like he was obsessed with trying to give it this ancient prestige that it just doesn't have like the history of embalming is way more interesting when it's just, like, a bunch of crack scientists bullshitting some shit together and then accidentally preserving human bodies. It's so much funnier than instead being like, actually, it's this thousands of year old, years old pract ancient practice because the Egyptians knew that the dead bodies, like, uh, spread diseases. And it's like, no, they don't. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I, I drew it in. I'm I'm good. It's no, down. it's fine. That's like that's good for the show that your personal expertise expertise can be used to comment on Flying Rhino Junior High in a very specific niche way. Yep. That's not even being sarcastic. I unironically like that. Uh, it's a shame that they didn't get into uh, like the act actual act of embalming because like. I can, um, actually, the band, like, obviously, they don't mummify you alive, but that's oh, just for, that's just for jokes. Don't start um, phantoming all over this. <laughs> but, like, uh, the, the wrapping process is, like, the last step. You would never open with wrapping, because, like, you gotta dry out the body in salt for, like, three weeks before you bandage. Like, come on, guys. But, you don't want to uh, preserve Mrs. Snodgrass at all. Remember, remember, this is the whole point of the episode. This is not an adaptation of Lydia's smart-ass, dumb-ass book. This is an adaptation of the cinematic classic, Pharaoh Finster. 
I am become the Lydia. You are become the Lydia. Oh no. And I have, I don't actually know. I'm not the fandom. I'll, I'll be Bobby. You can be Marcus. Billy doesn't really fucking... do anything this episode. Maybe this is just how I like how he's designed, but he definitely has like main character look on him. Yeah. Like, and he, even in like uh, the intro when everyone showed and like it's flying Rhino Junior High, he's dead center. Yeah, he uh, he's definitely intentionally designed to be like the main character of the group, but it's a it's a pretty solid um ensemble piece in that way where like even though the the design is like this is the main character, the show very rarely reflects that. Oh, I mean like late 90s to early 2000s if you had a baseball cap you were the fucking main character You're the star Let's shout just... out to recess ash catch him that's shout out to pokemon yeah like it's just a law especially if it's a red cap oof you're the hero oh yeah that 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 is uh that that is protagonist that that is like in the protagonist press kit that comes out yeah like, like that that is you like especially in color design like if we look at all of the main characters they all have like the thematic colors ruby is purple marcus is yellow um lydia is green like and then billy is red cap blue t-shirt like those are protagonist colors blue jeans and like red kicks yeah that like, is the most main character a 90s cartoon character could be like if you weren't uh if you weren't a if with this fit, if you weren't uh, the protagonist of a children's cartoon, you were either a mascot for some brand of processed cheese stick, or you were the star of some Super Nintendo video game no one remembers. Uh, Wacko Warner also follows this. <sighs> that's harder to, to determine, though, because uh, one, no pants, and two, that's a trio. That's always yeah. been a trio. Even the, even though like the Yakko trio is, is a the single mouth... main character. Even though Yakko is the definitive mouthpiece, it's a trio. Yeah. But this is not a this is not a Wow, quadret? Quartet. Quartet, thank you. Uh it, it took me a second to figure out what you where what you were trying for. You know, quadret. Yeah, that's that's the word that I've heard real human beings yeah, say. It's a it's a quadrant, and the the fourth center is Bobby. Yep. I'm having a fucking stroke. <laughs> you good? <laughs> God, there was. I, I I don't know, man. It's fucking Rhino's a principal. Nothing <laughs> makes sense. Picking an episode for this was actually kind of hard, because like the, this was the episode that I never finished, so I had to. But this is not the episode that has uh, lines that live in my brain rent-free. Like, there is a line from an episode where, like, Ruby and Billy are running against each other for class president. And it, it it's like an intrusive thought is, I'll just be living my best life, completely flying Rhino Junior High free, and the moment where, like, the, the two of them get so mad at each other that, like, they start uh, yelling mean girl versions of their campaign slogans at each other will just appear in my brain and I'll just hear Ruby uh, shouting, you'd be a fool to vote for O'Toole. Damn. Fucking bars. Fucking got him. Which really could have come back 
for uh, uh, Aaron O'Toole's campaign. It's a shame we've we've really lost. Uh, we missed that opportunity. Oh, that's. Uh, I mean, he didn't need that kind of uh, gotcha phrase to sink him. Yeah, but it would have really been funny to look a conservative politician in the eye and say you'd be a fool to vote for O'Toole, and just watch him. Like he's he's turned to like dust. oh shit. Uh, the liberals are using rhymes. <laughs> we didn't plan for rhymes. We plan for rhymes. That that's that's dirty play. Come on, man. Um. No, nothing. Yeah. No, nothing rhymes with Jagmeet scene. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah. Uh, speaking of more of the episodes, because uh, watching this did bring back a lot of like um, memories of this show. Uh, I I do remember the uh, the the dinosaur one. I remember the the Frankenstein one. Mm-hmm. I, I believe there's like a comic book one wherein like. The entire school is transformed into like panel designs and like early kind of nineties uh, comic book shading. Yeah, that that sounds familiar. There's, there's also apparently one based on Wolfenstein 3D that you're telling me yes, about. Yes, that, that is the other one, um, the video game one we were talking about. Um, because I I conflated the uh, ancient Egyptian and the video game one. They are they are one episode in my brain. Ah, it's it's oh. that old chestnut. Yeah. So there were definitely pieces of both episodes that I remembered. Because um, it was the Lydia being annoying about her, her book and, like, Ruby going after treasure, which I think is also a thing in the video game episode, that she actually does get the gang into trouble because she goes after some jewels and triggers a trap. I I think that's I, I if I remember correctly that is uh, Ruby's character trait is that she's incredibly greedy. Yeah, yeah. She just she likes shiny things, and I cannot blame her. No, not at all. Uh, absolutely would risk a a mummy's curse for the amulet that they, that Lydia swipes in this. Yeah, that's the best part. Is that like it is both like she is hypnotized by by Earl into taking it, but then also justifies it to her friends when they're like what the fuck Lydia why did you take this obviously cursed thing and she was like oh I just wanted to prove to you guys that curses weren't real and it's like wait what that's not why you took it at all I'm I'm looking at the this uh this episode list right now and apparently like the series finale is a fucking multiverse episode incredible because of course it would be the other uh there's there's an episode about stamps <laughs> that weirdly I recall Inverted oh, don't get me loop. too fucking excited. The whole episode <laughs> about the fucking Canadian Postal Service. Right? Let's fucking go. Well, it's the thing where, like, Marcus has a rare stamp, and, uh... Stop, I'm already on the edge of my fucking seat. <laughs> Hi, once again, it's Chris coming from the editing bay. Unfortunately, we lost about, uh, 50 seconds of audio here, where we were talking about the stamp episode and it transitioned into an episode about video games unfortunately i did all i could to recover the audio and it just was not going so but this is as best as we can do again sorry anyway back to the episode oh your specific memory i don't care about your personal quest do that in your own time we need to zero in on this 
pathetic incel vibe we're getting and give Talk it the best yes give, give it the best possible opportunity to burst forward because i i don't remember that episode at all but i'm almost positive one of the girl characters or both of them are better video game players than uh bobby and marcus probably like and that's that's like the lesson is like uh is that you know girls can play games too and that just fucking infuriates the phantom do you want to stop recording right now <laughs> go watch episode nine the game you just lost the game <laughs> are you fucking uh... <laughs> well now we ha now we can release this episode because jesus <laughs> you dusted that one off didn't you yeah I mean, we're talking about the early 2000s. Legally, it was going to come up. And actually now, uh, the episode 9, the game, has been built up in my in my mind so much that I'm I'm basically treating it like that uh, Law & Order Gamergate episode. And I know it, it will never be like that. I mean, it was also, that episode particularly was written by Ian Corlett. I did see that, which probably makes it much better than the majority yeah. of the episodes. That dude can write a cartoon. We can always return to this episode. <laughs> I, I'm totally fine with that. I am absolutely fine with uh, this being on the pile of shows that we return to. I uh, most, the list. Yep, mostly because uh, eventually we will run out of Canadian cartoons. Impossible. Tragically. Because uh, the the Canadian animation industry is clearly just as robust now in 2022 as it was in 2000. You keep telling yourself that. You you hold on to that thought like it's like a, a warm, comforting blanket because no, reality no, no, still will exists. Reality will just swap that blanket from you and just swipe that blanket from you and just throw it into the mud. That's Deal fine. with it. That's why laundry exists. That was actually a good comeback. <laughs> <laughs> I can clean. Oh, and uh, just just to wrap up this conversation, uh, uh, my internet influence broken brain uh, just wrote the uh, in my notes, uh, boop the snoot to get the exit, which is what happens in this cartoon. They do boop the snoot. <laughs> I hate that I wrote that. Like I, I, and I didn't even think about it while writing. It. It's like yeah, that's that's how you react to a scene like that. I love that you thought of it before I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm the one that's far gone here. <laughs> I'm I'm the problematic co-host. <laughs> well, uh, to reclaim my throne as the problematic co-host, I will. I would like. Oh, to... do I have to mute you? <laughs> Maybe. I want to bring up the one thing that I found, which is a single Flying Rhino Junior High fan fiction on Ao3. <laughs> Did you leave the call? I am just... <laughs> I am trying to make that make sense in my mind. Oh, it's about to get worse because it's a crossover with Family Guy. <laughs> so, um, Pickle Garden, if you're listening... I am absolutely calling you out. 
when is the heat death of the universe coming on? I'm just really <laughs> bored with its existence and all the people that are in it. And you, you look at that. And what is your life? You, you look at that and you, you tell me there's a god. You, you tell me that like anything that we do has any fucking meaning. You look at this AO3 account and tell me there is a loving god. Thank you for um, reintroducing one of our favorite segments. Uh, is there, is there fan fiction of this? There is one. Technically, Actually, yes. The best kind not, of yes. I did not check fanfiction.net, though. Oh, uh, hold on to your chairs, <laughs> listener. We'll we'll get to the bottom of this, because God knows we can't do any other kind of research for this show. Uh, there are three. There are three on fanfiction.net, and one of them is the same Family Guy crossover. <laughs> it was published in 2021. <laughs> No, it wasn't. You can it just. It was. You can just go to hell with that fake information. You fucking wrote that. <laughs> I just, did just to not. have a bit, just to have a bit for the podcast. You dashed off a shitty little fan fiction. God. I'm screenshotting this. I I I will post this to the Twitter account when this episode comes up sure get us banned <laughs> oh my god like, we don't have a lot of followers now but somehow that'll make us hemorrhage <laughs> followers it's like but but why i'm sorry one of the fixes tagged in the hurt comfort category <laughs> jesus fucking god what kind of... oh my god one of them is absolutely like I can fix him about the phantom. Fucking stop. <laughs> I am asking you. <laughs> you can't stop me. Do I'm, this on your own time. I am too powerful. Uh, okay, I'm done. And so is this episode. And so is the series, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm being fired. Oh, you're being fired. I'm being fired. The show is closing. I am, I, I'm deleting our anchor account. I'm done. <laughs> it's been fun. I guess we'll never get to talk about Clone High. A shame, really. We're going the way of Will Vinton Studios. <laughs> yeah, they also never talked about Clone High. Yeah, and they were also bought out because of fan fiction made about their properties. <laughs> Anywho. Anything left to say about Flying Rhino Junior High that's not related to what you've been Google, not your Google search history? No, I'm good. <laughs> that was all I had. Okay, well, capping off the conversation, I think we're both in agreement. Good show. This show slaps. This show slaps. Uh, one of the better attempts to integrate uh, education into entertainment, or if you're fancy, edutainment. Uh, yeah, uh, should hold the same kind of position as Magic School Bus does in all of your memories, but God, is it ever hard to find anything about it out about it today. Which is a shame. That is, there are definite, there's more written about things that do not deserve it as much. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think the show deserves to be remembered by someone other than me. Please. And pickle whatever on fanfiction.com. Yeah. Well, 
Listener, if you enjoyed that conversation, and I don't know how you couldn't, if you, I don't know how you couldn't enjoy that protracted lead up to fan fiction Googling, you can follow us on Twitter for all of our updates and future episode drops at Cartoon Night Pod. And please leave us a nice rating on your podcatcher of choice, preferably Apple Podcasts, because that helps us reach the widest audience. You can find me on Twitter at CinemaCreep. And you can find me at Selfie Skeletons. And have a good one, everybody. <laughs> We're going to get so much. You're still thinking about the fan fiction, aren't you? I'm still, I'm, I, I've closed those tabs, but I'm still giggling about it, yeah. Oh, yeah, you closed those tabs after a quick bookmark, I bet. <laughs> no, it's gone forever. <laughs> I will forget that this existed. Because I won't. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> You're welcome.